Welcome to the Love and Light Live podcast, empowering crystal lovers to learn and experience the art of crystal healing. Get ready to listen in and follow your soul calling with crystals. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for the Love and Light Live podcast brought to you by loveandlightschool.com. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and this podcast is the number one place for all things crystals. In today's show, we're going to explore how to work with herbs alongside your crystals. Plus, I'll give you some step-by-step instructions for making your own calendula salve. This is something I do every year. But before we get started, I'd like to answer one of our listener questions. Remember, you can submit your own questions anytime at loveandlightschool.com slash ask for the chance to have your question answered right here on the show. Today's question comes from Dominic, and Dominic says, how best can you carry your crystals? Do you have to have your crystals with you at all times? Dominic, this is a good question. So, you know, how you carry your stones is really up to you. Do you want to put a few in your pockets, tuck them into your handbag, or even wear them as jewelry? Any of those things are just fine. And do you have to have them with you at all times? Absolutely not. Do I like having some crystals with me? Yes, of course. But are there times that I leave to go to the grocery store, pick something up at the farmer's market, pop downtown to check on Mimosa, my shop, and I don't have any crystals on me? Yes, absolutely. Just because you work with crystals doesn't mean that you need to have them nonstop. And it also doesn't mean that you're any less of a healer, any less of a witch, a light worker, or a crystal lover if you don't have crystals with you at all times. So totally don't worry about that. Just work with them when it feels right. Dominic also says, I've always been very led by what other people think of me. Being a man and having judgmental people around me in my life, it seems there's a stigma regarding men and crystals, but I feel very connected to crystals, but I find it hard to know if crystals are connected to me due to my feeling slightly unnerved and judged for working with them. I'm in the process of pushing the stigma to the back of my mind. Can you help? So Dominic, Crystals are not only for women. You do not need to identify with a particular gender in order to work with crystals. And the act of working with crystals for healing or magic is not a gendered activity or practice. Crystals are for everyone. Now, I do think in general, the wellness industry does tend to cater more to women and femmes, but I think that's because we see a lot of women and femmes in the spotlight in the wellness industry. But there are tons of folks who don't identify as women who are also out there doing this work, doing fantastic work, And although I know it can be hard to work through judgments that come from other people, if this is something that you feel passionate about and drawn to, Dominic, I really hope that you'll find the confidence to explore it. Gender constructs should never get in the way of us pursuing our passions. So I hope you'll continue working with your crystals and enjoy the many experiences and discoveries that await you. So thank you again, Dominic, for your excellent questions. And if you're listening and you have a question that you'd like for me to answer for you about crystals, spirituality, or anything else you're curious about right now, let me know over at loveandlightschool.com ask. 
Discover how you can deepen your spiritual journey and follow your soul calling with crystals. The Love and Light School's award-winning crystal healing certification program opens soon. Go to crystalhealerschool.com. Now it's time for us to dive into our main topic for today, working with herbs and crystals. This is something I'm really excited to share with all of you. I work with herbs in my personal spiritual practice and have for a few years now um, in a lot of different ways. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while or you know a little bit about my history and background, I actually have my degree in ornamental horticulture and then I continued in school on a career track toward uh, becoming a botanist. I decided it wasn't exactly for me and made a big shift and that's when I started working with crystals more professionally. But a big part of my passion for plants is definitely rooted in herbalism. I've just started getting more comfortable and more familiar with the medicinal aspects of herbs, although there is so much left to learn. I mean, there are just lifetimes upon lifetimes of knowledge available about herbal plant medicines. Um, So my primary focus has actually been more magical and historical when it comes to herbal allies. And combining the power of crystal energy with herbs is an incredible way to make some magic, to help you find balance, and to support your spiritual work. So although there are tons and tons of ways that you can work with herbs on their own, I'm going to focus this chat a little bit more on combining herbs with crystals. And I do want to say the uses and correspondences that I'm about to present here can really help act as a guide for energetic or magical workings, but using and working with herbs and herbal medicines should never be attempted without appropriate knowledge and guidance from a licensed or certified herbalist or another qualified medical professional. And anytime that you're working with herbs, it's important that you make safety a top priority because many herbs can be perfectly safe when used according to the recommendations of a trained professional, but can become quite dangerous or even deadly when used improperly. Additionally, you should make sure not to handle herbs that you might be allergic to. This is always a consideration when working with any kind of new plant material. So before we go into exactly how I like to work with these herbal and crystal pairings, I want to share a few of my favorite with you for making magic. And I've, I've kind of put these together based on specific intentions. So for boundaries, I love the combination of cedar leaf and petrified wood. For calming, I like to work with chamomile flower and lapidolite. For cleansing, I prefer yarrow flower and selenite. For compassion, jasmine flower and rhodochrosite. For confidence, heather flower and pyrite. For creativity, rosemary leaf and carnelian. I love that beautiful energizing aroma of rosemary. For focus, I like peppermint leaf and golden tiger's eye. For healing, I prefer echinacea root, or sometimes I'll substitute in some petals from the flowers if that's a little easier, along with nephrite jade. For intuition, I like to work with mugwort leaf along with labradorite. For joy, I like to work with calendula flower and citrine, and we're going to talk about this pairing 
in depth a little bit later in this episode, and I'm going to give you a fantastic step-by-step recipe for creating your own healing salve with calendula flower. For love, the combination of rose petals or tiny dried rose buds with rose quartz is fantastic. For magic, I like to pair patchouli leaf with rainbow moonstone. For meditation, I like blue lotus flower with amethyst. For peace, I like passion flower and blue lace agate. For prosperity, I use cinnamon stick, which is the bark of the cinnamon tree, along with green aventurine. For protection, I like elderberry flower and black tourmaline. For relaxation, valerian root with peach moonstone. And for wisdom, I like bay leaf and rainbow fluorite. So these are kind of my own pairings that I've pulled together based on some traditional and magical associations between the herbs and those intentions or keywords and the crystals and those intention or keywords, and then just finding the herbs and crystals that pair well together. So probably the most simple way that I like to work with these herbal and crystal companions is by placing them together in an offering bowl on my altar or in my sacred space. Just having a little amount of the herb placed in a dish makes a really nice spot to nestle a small stone. And I also add the herbs to the dish with intention to call in the specific energy or magic that I'm trying to create. And then I place the stone into the dish on top of the herbs, which I feel like really anchors in the energy and intention. And the really cool thing about this practice is that the crystal kind of amplifies the magical quality of the herbs and the herbs in turn charge up that crystal with their specific energy. So they tend to work in harmony toward that specific purpose and leaving them as a little offering, as a visual reminder of what I'm trying to create in my life, I found to be so, so helpful. So although this really simple practice is one of my go-to ways for working with herbs, I also really like making magic with my herbs in other ways. For example, each year I grow calendula flowers in my garden. It has become one of my favorite herbs. I have, I don't even know how many varieties of calendula flowers, and I tend to plant them all over. Some of them reseed from years prior. Sometimes I add new ones into different patches in the garden. And I love all the pollinators that this flower attracts and the way that the really bright blossoms add a lot of color and joy to my garden. But most of all, I really like creating soothing calendula salve with the flowers. And I use this salve all winter long to soothe my dry hands once the weather turns a bit cold here in Wisconsin. Not only does it really nourish my skin, but it also brings me so much joy. I feel like it helps me kind of tap into the warmth of sunny summer days, even in the depths of winter. So over on the blog, I do have a step-by-step video that you can watch along with the instructions so that you can actually see it all in practice. You can also find that video on my YouTube channel, and I also have a shorter couple minute version of that video, sort of condensed steps on my Instagram and TikTok at love and light school. So if you're not following me on Instagram or TikTok, head over there, you'll be able to check out those video posts. And if you give it a try, send me a DM. I'd love to hear from you and know how it goes. So here are the step-by-step instructions for how I make my calendula salve. And I do want to say this recipe was adapted to my personal preference from a tutorial I found on homesteadandchill.com. 
The recipe there is a bit different, but I do want to give a big shout out and thank you and credit to Deanna for putting together that beautiful recipe that I originally found back in 2020 when I started making this. And I've also linked to that original recipe over on the blog at loveandlighthealingschool.com. So to start, let's talk about the supplies that you'll need. You will, of course, need some dried calendula flowers or fresh calendula flowers and an herb drying rack. I'll talk you through that process if you've never done that before. You'll need some high quality olive oil or another body safe oil of your choice. A small glass container. I personally really like the one cup size glass Pyrex containers. You'll need some cheesecloth, a double boiler, or a double boiler like setup if you don't have a double boiler, and about six two ounce aluminum screw top containers for your completed salve. Now, because I grow calendula in my garden, I start this process by harvesting some calendula flowers. I like to leave about four to six inches of the stem on each flower to give me something to kind of hang them from while they're drying. Calendula has a really long bloom period, so you can continue to harvest new blooms as they open. I usually try to only harvest about a third of the blossoms at any given time so that I'm leaving plenty for the pollinators in my garden. And while you're harvesting any type of herbs or plants, it's important to do this with some respect and intention. Now, if you don't have fresh calendula flowers, you can also just purchase whole dried calendula flowers to use instead. And that's the key. You don't just want the petals. You actually want the whole dried flowers complete with the calyx. And the calyx is that little green leafy part on the back of the flower. Um, And we'll talk about the importance of that in just a little bit. But if you're purchasing flowers, make sure that you get the whole dried flowers and not just the flower petals. So once I've harvested my flowers, I hang them upside down from their stems in small bunches, usually four to six flowers in each bunch, depending on the thickness of the stem. And the drying process typically takes around two full weeks for the flowers to dry out completely. I use a super compact herb drying rack that has a lot of little clips on it so I can fit tons of different herbs on it all at once and it doesn't take up too much space in my pantry. I searched high and low for the right herb drying rack for what I needed. I even tried making my own a few years ago and the one that I settled on I really really like and I've linked to that in my blog post as well. So if you're looking for a good herb drying rack definitely check that out. Now in total, you'll need around 30 to 50 blossoms to create the salve, and it really depends on the size of the flowers. If your flowers are a little bit smaller with smaller calyxes, then you'll probably need closer to 50. But if you have really large flowers, depending on the variety and growing conditions, you can probably get away with a little bit fewer, maybe as few as 30. Now if you don't have that many at once, That is okay. Remember I said calendula has a really long bloom period, so you can harvest and dry them in stages until you have the correct amount. You can store these in an airtight jar while you're waiting for more once they're completely dry. And when storing your calendula blossoms in the jar, this is the time to snip off the stems just below the calyx, which again is that little green leafy part on the back of the flower blossom. This is important because first and foremost, it helps the flowers stay intact. It keeps them whole. If you cut that part off, all of your petals will become loose. Also, and more importantly, 
the calyx of the calendula flower is where a lot of the herbs' natural healing resins are located. So you'll definitely want this part in your salve because this is where a lot of the healing qualities and properties come from. After you've gathered enough dried calendula flowers, you'll need to make a calendula-infused oil to use in your salve. So this is <laughs> definitely a multi-week process here, but it is so worth it. So I like using a high quality extra virgin olive oil for this, but you can use any body safe oil of your choice. You'll want to tightly pack your dried calendula blossoms into a small glass container. Again, that one cup Pyrex usually works just perfect for this. Then you're going to pour your chosen oil over the blossoms until the container is about half full. Now, while you're doing this, you'll notice that the weight and density of the oil will tend to compress the flowers a little bit and kind of suck them down into the bottom of the container. So this is a good opportunity to try and pack in a few more blossoms so that the container is really full of calendula flowers. Get as many in there as you possibly can. Then add more oil, just kind of topping up the container until it's full all the way to the brim. Now it's important at this step to be sure that all the flowers are covered completely by the oil. You might need to press some down into the oil using clean fingers or a utensil. And then cover the container with a tight fitting lid. And the one that I've linked to on my blog post does have a nice lid that snaps right on top. This will help seal up the oil and make sure that you don't get any critters in there and also helps keep the oil from going rancid, which is a concern here especially since we're putting it in a clear glass container. Now you need to let your calendula oil infuse in the indirect sunlight for one to three weeks. I've found that a window cell works best for this because it can still get plenty of indirect sunlight and you can keep the temperature of the oil a bit cooler indoors, which really also helps keep the oil from going rancid. During this time, you want to check the oil periodically to be sure that all the flowers are still beneath the surface of the oil. Now, once the oil has been properly infused, which when you're just getting started can be a little bit hard to know, usually the color might change ever so slightly and it will take on a little bit of a sweeter aroma. When in doubt, just wait the full three weeks as long as you don't feel like the oil is going rancid in the place where you're keeping it. So once the oil has been properly infused, you'll need to separate the blossoms from the oil. This is the other reason we keep those calyxes intact so that it's much easier to get that solid herbal material out of the oil. So to do this, just line a new clean glass container with a large piece of cheesecloth and pour the infused oil, blossoms and all, into the cheesecloth so that the new container catches the oil and the cheesecloth holds on to all of those oily blossoms. Then gather up the ends of the cloth into a bunch so that all the calendula flowers are inside of it like a little pouch and squeeze the cloth into the glass container to extract all of the remaining oil from the blossoms. You'll have to wring it really pretty tightly and squeeze as tight as you can to collect as much oil as possible. Then reserve the remaining blossoms inside of that cloth to use later when you're filling your salve containers. So we have cut and dried our calendula blossoms or purchased in whole dried calendula flowers. We've waited a few weeks while our oil has infused. Now it's finally time to start preparing our salve. So set up a double boiler over medium heat. 
Simmer some water in the bottom pan, and once the water's simmering, you're going to add about four tablespoons of beeswax pastilles and about two tablespoons of shaved or chopped cocoa butter to the top pan of the double boiler. So you're going to lightly simmer that water in the bottom of the double boiler and stir the contents of the top really carefully until the beeswax and cocoa butter have melted together. So once the beeswax and cocoa butter have completely dissolved, they've melted together, you're going to turn the heat off of the double boiler, but leave that beeswax and cocoa butter in the pan. They'll just be over that warm water, even though the heat is now off. And you're going to have to work a little bit quickly here, but you're going to prepare your salve containers by opening them all up and carefully using some kitchen tongs to dip them into the hot water of the bottom of the double boiler to sterilize them. I usually just dip mine in there for about 30 seconds each and then place the sterilized containers on a clean kitchen towel. So you wanna do the lids and the bases separately so that you're cleaning the insides and the outsides of each container. These might be a little bit hot, so be careful and be sure to use your kitchen tongs to do this. So get all of your salve containers lined up on a kitchen towel, and now it's time to fill the salve containers. So by this time, your beeswax and cocoa butter mixture should have cooled just slightly, but it should still be liquid. If there are a tiny bit of solids beginning to form again, make sure to give it a really good stir so that those melt back into the solution. And then carefully, Stir your calendula-infused oil, which should be about one cup, it'll be a little shy of, into your melted beeswax and cocoa butter solution. Now, the reason that we wait to do this until this point is because if you stir this oil into the beeswax and cocoa butter when it's too hot, you risk losing some of those important compounds that have been drawn into the oil during the infusion process. So we wait until it's cooled down just a little bit and then mix this calendula infused oil into the melted beeswax and cocoa butter. So once it's well incorporated, you're going to start gently spooning or pouring. I like to use a spoon for this because I feel like it's a little bit easier to control into your first container. And you want to leave about a quarter to an eighth of an inch of head space. That means the room at the top of the container. Now you're going to go back to those calendula flowers that you reserved in the cheesecloth, open up that cheesecloth, and try to find a decent looking calendula flower, one that's relatively whole and intact and flat. That's the key. And then you're going to carefully separate this out from the big pile <laughs> that are likely at this point stuck together with all the oil in the cheesecloth from being smushed together and fan out the petals until the flower is somewhat regained its shape and then place the blossom in the center of the container that you've just filled. It should kind of sink down to the bottom, but you might need to press the flower beneath the solution just a little bit if it doesn't sink on its own. Now adding this flower, I will say, is purely aesthetic, so if you don't want the solid flower in the salve, you can skip this step, but I think it's really nice to have some of the herb present in the container, not just for the look, but also because of the magical presence and beauty of these little flowers. Now, once you've added the flour, you might find that you need to top off the container with just a little bit more of the liquid salve solution until the container is full. Then just continue filling all the remaining salve containers in the same way, 
the liquid will begin to solidify as it cools. So again, you will need to work somewhat quickly, but use caution because this is probably still a bit hot. And then leave your containers to cool. Don't put the lids on yet. Just let them sit out at room temperature. And after about 60 to 90 minutes, when the containers are cool enough to safely handle, you might want to gently wiggle or jiggle one or two to check whether or not the salve has set properly. If there's any movement within the container, you should definitely leave all the containers to continue cooling for at least another hour to 90 minutes and then go back and check again. Now, when there's no movement of the contents and the color has changed slightly, it usually tends to get a little lighter as it cools, then the salve has set properly. If you want to test it with one additional test, you can gently press a finger into the top of the salve to be sure it has set through, but do know that this will leave a little fingerprint in the top of the salve. Now, once the salve seems sufficiently set, you can then affix the lids onto each of the containers. And then the most important step here is to label each container with the name, date, and ingredients of what's in the tin and store them in a cool, dark place. You can then use this salve on dry hands after, of course, you test a small area to be sure you won't have a reaction to any of the ingredients. So again, this is something that I like to do every year. I find that I use so much of the salve over the winter, and I do give a few tins as gifts each year. My sister-in-law and mother-in-law really liked it last year, and especially if your hands tend to get a bit dry in the winter months, this is just so soothing and healing, and it makes me happy to have that little bit of summer all throughout the winter months. Now, to bring a little crystal energy into this herbal creation, you can set a citrine crystal atop each sealed salve tin and allow the salve to charge up with crystal energy overnight. Remember from earlier in the show, I talked about how calendula and citrine are amazing companions together, especially for creating joy. And what better intention to put into this beautiful summery healing salve than joy. So all winters I'm using this, I feel really connected to calendula and citrine and the sun and the feeling of joy. And this just adds a little extra magic to the process of creating this salve. Of course, I love to incorporate crystals into everything that I do. So I hope that you'll give this a try too. Do you feel intuitively called to work more deeply with your stones? To grow your confidence, knowledge, and connection to crystal energy beyond what you can learn on your own? Our award-winning Crystal Healing Certification Program will take you from crystal lover to a confident, certified crystal healer and help you discover your soul's path and crystal purpose. Go to crystalhealerschool.com to learn more. Well, that is it for our main topic today, and now it's time for our Trending This Week segment. As you know, each week I bring you a quick discussion on something that's happening in the world of crystal healing and spirituality right now, or something that I'm just loving that I really want to share with you. This week, I would like to talk about the Insight Timer app, and no, this is not a paid partnership, nothing like that. This is just something that I love, I want to share with you. If you are not familiar, Insight Timer is a completely free app that you can use to listen to lectures, guided meditations, audio classes. It is really, really cool. You can set up a free account within the app, or you can use your Apple ID or your Facebook details to log in as well. 
And the reason I'm telling you about this is I've actually put 10 completely free guided crystal healing meditations on the app. So I've put up a series of seven crystal meditations, one for each day of the week in a weekly series. This is really, really cool. There's basically a little description of each meditation, um, you know, one for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all seven days of the week. And it explains what crystals you might want to work with along with that meditation. And then we go into tapping into that energy of that specific day of the week, of the specific crystal you've chosen, and what you want to reflect on or call in that day based on the energy and magic of the day based on its connection with different planets and deities. And I hope that this is something that you will enjoy. These are pretty short meditations, seven to 10 minutes each. So it's something that you can make time for in the morning or in the evening for some reflection. But I also have three other meditations I've added to the app. Again, they're completely free. There's a full moon meditation for boosting your intuition which is a much longer guided journey. There's a crystal meditation for joy, which is a little bit on the shorter side, but if you kind of need to turn your day around a little bit, this is a great one to try out. And then I've also included a guided crystal journey to connect with your shadow realm goddess. And this is, again, a much longer guided journey with some visual imagery. I hope that you will enjoy these. Again, they are completely free. So if you'd like to check these out, you can head over to insighttimer.com slash lovelightschool, or you can download the Insight Timer app and look for me, Ashley Levy, that's L-E-A-V-Y, and you'll see my profile page with all 10 meditations there. If you do use the app or start using the app, please give me a follow on Insight Timer and leave me a five-star rating if you have a listen to any of these 10 free guided crystal meditations. I would love to hear what you think, so if you can leave me that rating and a quick review, it will help other folks find these meditations as well. And if enough folks start tuning in and listening, using the app and leaving some reviews on the meditations, then I would really like to explore adding some new ones each month. So again, you can head over to insighttimer.com slash lovelightschool. You can become a confident, knowledgeable, and intuitive crystal healer. Learn both the science and metaphysics of crystals. Develop your intuition with practical training and techniques. Gain the skills you need to heal yourself and others through accredited and high-quality classes. The Love & Light School's Crystal Healing Certification Program will take you from crystal lover to a confident certified crystal healer. Go to crystalhealerschool.com. Well, that is it for today. I hope that you found a lot of value in today's show. And if you want more information about anything I discussed in this episode, you can learn more over on the website at loveandlightschool.com slash blog. If you did enjoy the show today, of course, the biggest compliment you can give me is to leave a quick rating and a review over at loveandlightschool.com slash iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe through that link as well so you never miss a future episode. 
And today I want to give a special shout out to You Bubble Me Up, who left an amazing five-star review saying, your podcasts are the best, informative and knowledgeable and from the heart. Hi, Ashley. I'm not sure how I missed this episode, Six Best Crystals for Connecting with Spirit, but I did. It really hit home about what spirit means to each individual. Spirit is a feeling for me. Sometimes the feeling makes me elated and sometimes it makes me feel a bit verklempt. We all connect to spirit in our own individual way and for varied reasons. Sometimes I believe we connect to spirit and not realize it until later when we get that aha moment and we say to ourselves, spirit was with me and giving me guidance. I've mostly used my trusty Arkansas clear Isis face quartz for personal connection and meditation. However, last year, the Isis face popped off from the point. So I'm going to try some of the ones you've suggested in the podcast. Your podcast is something that I go back to multiple times. Some episodes I've listened to many times. Please don't stop making them as they are so full of love and learning. Thank you so much, you bubble me up. Whoever you are, I really, really, really appreciate this super thoughtful and heartfelt review. And I'm so glad that that specific episode really spoke to you and inspired you to start working with your crystal in a new way. If you'd like to make sure that you never miss a future episode, hop over to loveandlightschool.com slash listen for all of our most popular episodes, most recent episodes, and all of the places that you can stream or subscribe to the podcast. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Love and Light Live podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Levy. I'll be back with you in our next episode. Until then, crystal blessings. The Love and Light Live podcast is a production of the Love and Light School of Crystal Therapy. Connect with us online at loveandlightschool.com or on social at loveandlightschool. The content provided on or through our website or podcast makes no claims for specific or general health or health results and should not be used to examine, diagnose, or treat any medical condition, prescribe medications, make claims for specific or general healing or health results, or as a substitute for traditional medical treatment. For medical advice, you should consult a licensed healthcare specialist. For more information, please refer to the terms of use on our website at loveandlightschool.com.